Well, what an honor to stand behind this pulpit every opportunity I get. I thank Pastor for asking me. And to be honest, you teach the kids, and as we were singing that last song, I was like, wow, these guys are a little bit bigger than 8 to 12, eight to 12 year olds. <laughs> so I just hope what I have tonight is a blessing. I was sharing with Tyler. Um, as I was studying, I was like, Lord, this is really what you want? This is so basic. So I'm hoping somebody needs it. I'm hoping it's a blessing to somebody. But if I told you to turn to the most famous or most popular, whatever word you want to use, psalm, where would you guys turn? Psalm 23. So let's turn there. That's where we're going to be tonight. Remember to pray for Pastor DeGarmo, who I believe is on their way home. It's weird, isn't it, Lisa? <laughs> and then pray for Pastor and his family as they're traveling after he preaches tonight. They'll be going to Georgia. Remember to keep them in prayer. But let's read Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell, or I will dwell, in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. Lord, I love you. I thank you for this opportunity, Lord, that you provide for us young men who aren't pastors yet, but we can come and fill this pulpit while pastors away, Lord. I just thank you for every man that stepped up, Lord. I pray you would bless this message, Lord, that you would use it, Lord, and as we think about what you earlier are saying here in Psalm 23, I just pray it be a blessing to somebody. I pray somebody would use it, apply it to their life, Lord, to be a better Christian, be a better servant of you, Father. Lord, thank you for being our shepherd. In Christ's name I pray, amen. We all know a shepherd is someone who takes care of the sheep, and we're called the sheep of God. They were called the sheep of the Lord. When beginning this study, I had my mind, or I had in my mind that sheep were, while yet dumb animals, pretty easy to train and easy to take care of. Turns out, they're more like us than I'd, than I'd like to admit, or at least like me, stubborn, hard-headed, and not very easy to train. And looking at verse 1, it says... The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That word want means lack. David was saying, the Lord is my shepherd. He's going to take care of me. I'm not going to lack anything. That word want means the same as the word lack would mean. So David's really saying he's not going to want, he's not going to lack. In our Christian lives, we don't lack anything when we turn it over to God. Amen. Then it go to verse 2. And it says, he 
maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. Take the first part of that. And it says, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. One thing I learned while I was studying is that there's four times a sheep won't lay down. The first time that a sheep won't lay down is when it's afraid of something. It made me think of Psalms 56, verse 3. What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. My question tonight, what are you trusting in? If you're trusting in God and you got all your trust in the Lord, why are you so fearful? I'm not saying there's not times we're going to be fearful because we're human. And we have a sin nature and... When we allow our sin nature to take over, that's what we do. We fear things. The second thing that, or the second time that a sheep won't lay down is when there's friction amongst the herd. When they have something wrong with somebody else, when there's friction between them and another sheep. Matthew 18, 21, 22 then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him till seven times? Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto you or unto thee until seven times, but until 70 times seven. I don't think God was wanting us to necessarily do a mathematical equation and say, 70 times 7, I need to forgive my brother 490 times. Jeff, I've forgiven you 489, I'm done. I think the Lord was, by the time you get to 490, you better have forgotten what you're mad about. Otherwise, there's something wrong with you. Because it ain't wrong with your brother if you've forgiven him and forgiven him and forgiven him, and you're still bringing it up. Remember that time back in 1989? I, brought you my, I loaned you my lawnmower and you still haven't gave it back. <laughs> Who cares? You've probably been through three lawnmowers since then. But you're still holding that grudge. So my question tonight is, do you have a grudge against somebody in this building? Our church ain't going to go forward until our hearts are all united. Until our hearts are all one. If we have something against our brother, our church is going to be stagnant. Just like these sheep won't lay down if they have something against another sheep or there's friction with another sheep. We need to learn from them, get things right, so that we can be able to lay down because the Lord says, or the Bible says, he maketh me to lie down. The third time that a sheep won't lay down, it's when they are not free from pests, when there's pests bothering them. I thought, Lord, what's my pest? What bothers me? And we got these little things that bother us called temptations. They're all around us. Lord, I want to do right, but it's easier to do this. Lord, I want to follow you, but I'm pretty secure where I'm at. So I don't want to leave. And we have that temptation to follow our own ways, which I'll talk about here in a little bit. But the 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13 says, There had no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, 
will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with that temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. What temptations are you being bothered with, Christian? Take them to the Lord so that he can allow you to lay down. The fourth time is when they're hungry. So as you can tell by looking at Brother Tim, there's not very often that I'm not laying down because just joking. First Timothy 6, 8 says, And having food and raiment, let us therewith be, con- or let us therewith, let us be therewith content. My question to you tonight, are you content with what the Lord's blessed you with? Then lay down, Christian. Allow the Lord to lay you down in that green pasture. What's the second part of that verse say? He leadeth me beside still waters. I'm so glad that Jesus leads us along the still waters and gives us peace. There's always, there's ways that the Lord gives us this peace in our lives. Psalm 119, 165 says, Great peace have those that love thy law. So if you don't have peace, if the Lord has led you beside the still water where you can find peace, my question for you tonight is, do you love the word of God? I didn't ask you, did you read the word of God this morning? Because we're so haphazard to pick up our Bibles and say, Jesus wept, well, I'm done. Or... Let me read a psalm today, or let me, I'm going to be spiritual today. Let me read two psalms today. Oh, I'm done. But let me ask you a question. If you're married, or you have a family, would your family know you loved them if you treated them like you treat the Word of God? It kind of got to me. I got thinking, would Brandy really know by, if I spent as much time talking to her as I did searching the scriptures, would she know I loved her? Do I spend enough time in my Bible to justify the love of God? And don't get me wrong, I know nothing can ever justify the love of God, but is he happy with me? Do I spend enough time in the Word of God? Do I love the Word of God? Or is it just another book that sits on my desk that I know I should read it, but eh, I got to do this first. I got to do that first. I just, I hope that when the Lord looks down, he says, Brother Tim loves me. I can tell it by the time he spends in my word. John 16, 33 is another way we can find peace. These things have I spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. In the world you you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. I've said it many times when I've preached, outside of the Lord, if you know me well, you know the one thing I love is sports. When you come to sports, you have a loser and you have a victor. The victor is the one that celebrates and is excited. And he knows why he's excited, because he just won a game. He just won a contest. 
But you know what? The Lord says that he has overcame the world. Be of good cheer. When you win a, when you win a contest, you overcome the opponent. God won that victory for us. Are we at peace knowing that he's won that victory? Are we, over, are we able to overcome the things in the world that might hold us back, that might cause us to be unpeaceful? Or do we know because the Lord won the victory that we can have peace? Isaiah 26.3 was the third thing that I wanted to say will bring peace in your lives that will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Can I tell you something? This one convicted me because this thing right here, when you're on it, I like to do fantasy sports on it. Others like to do fake book. Others do Pinterest. Please don't bring your hobbies into Woodstock. I don't have 20-inch pieces of wood. <laughs> but on a, seri- on a serious note, when your mind's so full of what's going on in your phone, whether it be news, whether it be your hobby, whether it be one of those things I mentioned, it's kind of hard to have your mind set on God. It's kind of hard for your mind to be on God when it's so wrapped up in what's going on in your phone. Well, what, what about this? What, what, I got to check this. Well, I'm done there. I, oh, Lord, I know you're wanting me to spend time with you, but just, just a minute. I just got to check one more thing, which turns into one more thing, which turns into one more thing, which turns into one more thing. But I want to encourage you. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Keep your minds on God. The fourth thing I think about peace and the Lord leading us along the green pastures by still waters is how's your prayer life tonight? Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7 says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I was thinking about this verse, and it says, but in everything. It says, don't worry about nothing. Be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication. You know that word supplication means begging? So we're supposed to ask God, we're supposed to beg him for what we need. Brandy's fixing to go on a trip this week, and Lord willing, the plane will stay in the air, which I've been asking and begging God for it to do. But what if it doesn't? Am I, thank- am I the rest of that verse? Am I thankful? Am I thankful for that 20 years we've had together? See, I think we're really good at begging and asking God for stuff. Lord, help it to be sunny today. Lord, we sure need moisture. Help it to rain. And we're really good at asking God for things. And we're really good for begging. 
But how are we on that last part? Lord, thank you for this country. Lord, I pray you be with our president. He has a lot of issues. You know what? We could live under a dictator. We could live in a lot, lot, lot worse places. Are we thankful for where we're at? When we learn to have a faithful prayer life, we will learn to have peace with God. Verse 3 says, He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. When we restore something, what do we do? We make it new, right? We take an old car that we want to build up. We want to get all the replacement parts. And don't think I'm speaking of experience because you don't want me messing with your car, whether new or old. But that's what we do. We take something that's old and we make it new. We take something that's broken and we heal it. You see, I found this verse very interesting because this chapter was written by the psalmist David. The same guy that went down into the valley, he looked up and he seen the giant. And he was still able to pick up the three stones, put it in a sling. And my kids that are in my junior church class love this song because the sling went round and round and round and round and round. And they love to fall down on the end because that's what the giant did. The giant fell down. This is the same David who had so much respect for the man of God and King Saul that he had multiple opportunities to take Saul's life. But he didn't because of the respect that he had for God's man. This is the same David that was called the friend of God. Why would he need his, his life restored? Why would he need his spirit restored? Because one night on a housetop, he's seen some things he shouldn't have seen. And he fell into temptation. And he fell into sin. But he knew, just like Brother Tim, you know, I'm not trying to say that David did a bad thing because Brother Tim's been there. I have. I'm a former alcoholic. I went to work each day wondering what bar we were going to that night. Every weekend, I went to work on Fridays wondering where we were going to go do drugs that night. You see, I'm no different than David in the respect of I know how it feels to have your life restored. I know what it feels like to have your heart restored to God. So I'm telling you tonight, if you're here and you're broken, I don't think there's anyone in this room as spiritual as King David. And if he said he restored my soul, I think he's going to restore our soul too. If we're broken and we need fixing, there's no better place to go than to God. I, read, I heard a quote, I don't know if it was Pastor Brooks or I listened to a lot of preaching, so I don't know who said it. But do you know you're as closest to, are you as close to God as you want to be? 
You know, our souls wouldn't need so much restoring if we wanted to be closer to God. If we wanted our lives to more reflect God, we wouldn't need such restoring, but I'm glad that he can restore it. But it got me thinking, so why ain't I as close to God as I want to be? And I thought about Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. I think the first thing that separates us from being as close to God as we need to be is our trust in God. How much trust do we really have when something bad comes into our life that God's going to work it out, that God's going to be there? We don't have the trust that we need to have in God. And then it says, lean not unto thine own understanding. I know I'm the only one in the room that's really good at that. Lord, I know I've done this in the past. Lord, I know that I was able to accomplish this in the past. I know I was able to do that. I was able to do this. What about God? Do we ever acknowledge God and the victories that he's given us? It says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. Verse 6 says, in all thy ways. All. Not sometimes. Not every now and then. Not today. I'll acknowledge him, and tomorrow maybe not so much. Or tomorrow maybe I'll acknowledge him, but today I want to do it on my own. We need to acknowledge him. And he will direct our paths. We did, we're talking about the Beatitudes in junior church right now. A couple weeks ago, I taught about blessed are those that hunger and thirst after righteousness. Why? What's the end of that verse say? For they shall be filled. You see, we hunger and thirst after a lot of things in this life. We want a successful career. We want the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl. We want the Nationals to win the World Series. You know you do, Adam. Don't shake your head. But, or we have other hobbies that ain't sports. Maybe we want the biggest deer. Maybe we want the fastest car. We have things that we hunger and we thirst after but they're just really junk food of life is all they really are. But when we hunger and thirst after righteousness, do you hunger and do you thirst after being right with God? Is that what you strive for? Or are you just happy with the junk food? Are you happy that I had the biggest house on the block? I had the nicest house on the block. And don't get me wrong, I think as Christians we should want that stuff. Well, we should want it for a testimony to who God is and not for us. We should be hungering for the paths of righteousness, but we're too content on the avenue of Easy Street. Verse 4, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. 
for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Read along with that verse, Deuteronomy 31, verse 6. says, Be strong and of a good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, he it is that doth go with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. You see, we're all on this valley. We're all walking through this valley. And what is that valley? It's the shadow of death. You see... There's going to come a point in every one of our lives where we're going to die, provided the Lord doesn't come back, which I'd be so much more thankful for that. But I started thinking, what about death? And that's actually kind of what got me on this message is because we lost my grandma about a month ago, and I shared this scripture at her funeral. But back then I was thinking, you know, we always hear Psalms 23 and it's about the dead. What about the living? And that's when I started studying this. But you know what I'm so thankful for? I'm not going through that valley of the shadow of death by myself. I got brandy. No, just joking. (laughs) I got the Lord. And the Lord's with me every step of the way. And if you know him, if there's been a time where you've put your faith in him, you confess your sins, you accepted him as your savior, he's with you as you're walking through this valley as well. What I would fear is anybody that's walking through this valley by themselves. And why would I fear that? Because it's your own ignorance that you're doing it. Jesus already went to that cross. He was already buried. He was already risen again. So that when we're walking through this valley, when we have dark times, because the shadows cause darkness, he's there with us. But like I said, as a Christian, I have nothing to fear. When I hit the end of that valley, when I hit where my resting point, I'm going to heaven. If, you don't, if you're not saved because of your own pride, if you're not saved because you want to do it your way, because you think you can work your way to heaven, because you think you're going to find the perfect church to attend, you have, it. You have nothing but fear. Because when you hit the end of that shadow, you hit the end of that valley, you're going straight to a place called hell. And I'll tell you what, I'd rather be streets of gold, Pearly gay, angels singing all the time, playing their harps. And most of all, Jesus be there. Then I would to take any chance of going to a place that so hot, according to the Bible, that you're thirsty all the time, that you keep falling. And I don't know who that's for. I, I, Wednesday night crowd, we're probably all saved. But if you're not, come to Jesus tonight. Find me. Find somebody else that you know after service. I'd be happy to talk to you about knowing for sure. And then it says he has a rod and a staff. They comfort me. You guys know what a rod is? It's something that was used to poke sheep. 
to keep them in line. If you're like me, there's a lot of times you get out of line and you need that prodding from the Holy Spirit. You need that prodding from that rod with God. How can that comfort me? You know what? It comforts me by helping me to do right in the future. It helps me by not making the same stupid mistakes that I always make. But I'm so glad for the staff that comforts me when I need it and the rod that doesn't. So much comfort, but it's also there when we need that. In closing, let's look at verses 5 and 6 together for sake of time. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God promises that he will take care of us in the presence of even our enemies. A sheep cannot feed itself, nor does the Lord expect it to do so. He is always there feeding us, no matter what our circumstances might be. Then it says, Thou anointest my head with oil. God anoints me. Oh, oh, what a thought that God, God cares enough about us to anoint us, to anoint our heads, that he loves us so much that he even cares about us, let alone anoint us. By giving us the Holy Spirit. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. That's what the Lord said to the disciples when he was telling them, Hey, I'm going to send a Comforter to you. Don't worry. The song says, Fill my cup, Lord. Do you lift your cup up? Do you want the Lord to fill it? Or as I've said, are you too proudful? Are you too ignorant, if you will, to give the cup to the Lord? I'm so glad that when I put it up, the Lord fills it. You know, he'll only fill it as far as we'll allow him to, though. The the last verse 6, what a testament of his love to us. He takes us all the way from green pastures which it said in verse 1, through the shadow of death to the kingdom of heaven as it ends. John 14, 1 through 6, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, and that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go, ye know, and the way ye know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. I got an illustration to close with. Who would agree there's no mistakes in the Bible? I want to prove it to you right now. You see, there was a young kid, probably about 
Nehemiah's age. And his family didn't go to church. And I don't remember if he was a band kid or his family did start going to church. But he didn't know anything about God. And he would, went to Sunday school and he went home. And he had took what they were learning in Sunday school. And he was out riding his bike and a car hit him. And the pastor called, called, or they called the pastor. The pastor came, and the pastor called the Sunday school teacher, knowing how much he cared about his kids in the class. The Sunday school teacher got to the hospital, and the pastor and him were praying, and the parents came out, and they said, he didn't make it, but maybe you guys can help me with something. And the pastor goes, sure, I'd be happy to. And that's where I'm going to prove to you that the Bible has no mistakes in it. Put your hands up. See, some of you are reluctant. In my junior church class, they're like, look, Mr. Tim, I got two hands. Which hand do you want me to put up? But the parents said, the ambulance workers, the MTs, could not get his hand away from his ring finger. Do you guys know why that might be? Pastor goes, you got me. I have no idea. They looked at the Sunday school teacher, and the Sunday school teacher was crying. And the pastor was like, what's wrong with you? And he said, I taught the children, the Lord is my shepherd. A little boy clenched into his finger, died because he realized the Lord is my shepherd. My question to you guys tonight, are you grabbing that finger? Is he ab- are you able to grab that finger? Is he your shepherd? You see, I said that when I started studying or read this for my grandma's funeral, I always thought Psalms 23 was the death chapter because you always see it at funerals. But when I started studying this, I realized it's not the death chapter. It's the life chapter. And the sooner we realize in our lives that the Lord is my shepherd, the more we're going to be able to claim those promises the more we're going to be able to claim those victories that the Lord has given us. So, like I said, I pray if you can't claim him as your shepherd, that you'd make it right tonight by getting with somebody that does know him. Let's pray.